with the Big 12 championship secured and this team being two games away from a national championship, this 2023 Texas Longhorns team has already proven themselves to be legendary. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked on College. Terms and conditions do apply. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we're discussing the legacy, the special magical 2023 season for the Texas Longhorns. And even though they still got two games to go and all of their goals are still in front of them, we're going to take a moment to review how special this season was and this team's legacy, the 2023 Texas Longhorns, a legendary football team, right? Then in the second segment, we are talking about the Big 12 championship, specifically the X's and O's, everything that stood out to me on the football field from Saturday's victory over Oklahoma State. And then the last segment, like I said, this is a legendary football team, but the definitive legacy at the University of Texas and five of my favorite moments from the football season. I discussed those at the end of the show. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So before we get into uh, Texas specifically um, and their legacy and what this season means, the Big 12 Championship, a college football playoff berth, all of that, I want to talk about the college football playoff specifically. I thought that the committee had a really tough job or a tough decision to make, maybe the toughest decision they've ever had to make because uh, it was really heavy at the top this year. It was super top heavy, I thought, coming into the weekend. Uh, We had seven legitimate national championship contenders, and it would have been eight if Jordan Travis wasn't hurt, right? And when you looked at it, you knew that there was a chance that four undefeated teams could get into the college football playoff for, I think, maybe the first time ever. You knew there was a chance that, and which did happen, that all four teams in the college football playoff would be uh, conference championships for the first time in a while, if not ever. And so um, there was going to be a tough decision regardless, right? And you were going to leave one of the best teams in the country out of the playoffs regardless, right? Whether it was Florida State, Alabama, Georgia, whoever, right? A very talented team that had a legitimate chance to win a national championship was likely going to get left out this year because it was so top heavy. And I think the problem always was with the format period, right? And I'm not saying they should have started with 12 from the jump, but I think 12 next year would alleviate a lot of the concerns we had this year. But in a world where we have five power five conferences, you were always putting the committee in a position to weigh certain conferences over the other, right? Because you were always saying that four conferences were going to have a leg up over the fifth conference that didn't make it, right? You were always saying that a, a power five conference champion is not going to make the playoffs in that four team setup. Right. And this year it just became that much more apparent that it was wrong because like I said, you had seven to eight legitimate national championship contenders. And we've seen in the past where more deserving has taken more precedent than best teams, because last year, Alabama and Bryce Young certainly should have been in over TCU, but TCU was more deserving. We saw Cincinnati Cincinnati get in because they were deserving. We saw Michigan State get in because they were deserving, even though we knew these teams did not have a chance to win the national championship. And I think in the last year of the 14 college football playoff, the decision 
by the committee was the right one, right? It was always going to be wrong to somebody, right? But I think they made the best decision in terms of putting four teams in the college football playoff that have a legitimate chance to win the national championship. We have watched Florida State for the last three weeks, right? Florida State is not one of the best four teams in the country currently. One of the four most deserving, absolutely. But they are not one of the four best teams in the country currently. And so we would have put them in just to say we are being morally right or morally correct and then watch them get beat up by Michigan in the first game in the semifinals. For the first time maybe ever, we have four legitimate teams that have a chance to win the national championship in Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. And although your decision hurts everybody that's associated with that Florida State program, I think this decision to put the four best teams in, and you can argue Georgia's one of those, but they're not a conference champion, and this year that really mattered, right? You can make the argument that their decision to put the four best teams in benefited literally everybody else but the Florida State program. And so the committee was always choosing between the lesser of two eagles, I mean evils, and they chose that evil to be putting in four teams that have a legitimate chance to win a national championship instead of doing Florida State a solid and putting them in because they went undefeated, even though they have no chance to win a national championship and represent college football as the best team in the country. So definitely sucks for Florida State, but I think the committee made the right decision because the committee put four teams in that have a legitimate chance to win a national championship, one of those being your Texas Longhorns. And before I get into their legacy and what this season means, I just want to say it's special, right? Because you came into the season and they accomplished everything they were supposed to accomplish, right? But that doesn't mean that it wasn't a legendary you know, season. That doesn't mean that this team doesn't have a legacy. And that doesn't mean that this season was special, right? Because we've learned over the last 14 years to not take talent for granted, right? To not take a down year in the Big 12 for granted, right? To not take having a, you know, esteemed coaching staff and all of the resources in the world and you know some of the best recruiting classes in the world and the country for granted right you still have to go out there and win those games and for 14 years us being able to win games at a high level and being able to play texas longhorns football consistently over the course of a full season that had evaded us so for this team this version of this team these players these coaches you know these boosters whoever right for this version of this team for this group of guys to be able to get the to be the ones to get Texas over the hump, that's their legacy in and itself, right? This is a special football team, and they still have an, uh, you know, an opportunity to be even more special with two more wins in the month of January, right? To leave a legacy or to be a historic or you know legendary team, especially you know within a program like the University of Texas, you have to be a team of first, right? Either first in a long time or first ever. And this 2023 Texas Longhorns football team definitely embodied that, right? The first playoff team ever at the University of Texas. And we're almost 10 years into this current format, right? And I love the fact that we'll always be able to say that we made it in the era of the 14 playoff before it moved to 12, right? Because it's going to lose some of its shine. It's going to lose some of its luster. It's obviously way easier to get in with 12 teams rather than four teams. Texas can always say we made it in the era of the 14 college football playoff, right? And this is the first time ever <laughs> at the University of Texas, which is crazy, but that was that's what makes this team so special. The first 10-win team under Steve Sarkeesian. To me, Steve Sarkeesian has proven himself to be one of the best coaches in college football this year. He had a few hurdles he had to get over, and one of those being winning 10 games in a season, right? Um, and now he has done that for the first time, and that seems to be something that he's going to be able to do perennially, right, every year at this point, the way he's recruiting and building um, at the University of Texas. So to me, moving forward, 
Steve Sarkeesian is undoubtedly probably one of the five to seven best coaches in college football. And for this group of guys to be the first team that got him over the hump of that 10 win plateau, that's special. That's their legacy, right? The first 10 win team at Texas since 2018, since Sam Ellinger was the quarterback and Tom Herman was the head coach. That's legacy. The first Big 12 championship since 2009, right? I was in middle school. Literally, I was in high school, right? From 2007 to 2011. Yeah, I was in high school. Sorry about that. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, yeah, I was in high school for sure. But 2009, right? Mac Brown was the head coach. Colt McCoy was the quarterback, right? Colt McCoy has been in the league for a decade. <laughs> That's the last time he won the Big 12 championship. That's this team's legacy, right? And then the first Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year since 2013, and that was actually shared between Jackson Jeffcoat and Jason Verrett, the corner from TCU, right? We won it outright this year with none other than a defensive tackle to Andre Sweat. That's his legacy. That's this team's legacy. This team, regardless of what happens in the Sugar Bowl and then regardless of what happens against Michigan or Alabama after that, is legendary, right? And this team is certainly leaving a special legacy at the University of Texas, and they'll forever be etched in DKR because they are champions, right? And they won the Big 12 championship against Oklahoma State this past Saturday. And to be a championship-level team, that starts in the offseason, right? You start um you know building and uh those those championship level habits and um you start putting together the the makings of a championship team in the offseason but then you have to go out and play the games right and you have to overcome adversity deal with it and overcome it to be a championship level team at the end of the season right we saw every team this year michigan even though they created their own adversity by cheating <laughs> right and lying they had adversity right washington uh, I think they went through a stretch where they won like three or four straight games by one possession. That's adversity, right? Uh, Texas losing to Oklahoma, Alabama losing to Texas, right? That's adversity. You have to overcome that to be a championship level team. And you may say that this is not adversity, right? But I think it is, right? Them only being up by 13 at halftime to Rex, right? When you come into the season with all of those expectations, right? And then you're like, damn, why are we in a dogfight with Rice at halftime? But they, you know, blew them out in the second half to win that game convincingly. You trailed Bama on the road in front of 100,000 people in the fourth quarter. Won the fourth quarter uh, pretty convincingly to win that game. You were tied 10-10 with Wyoming going into the fourth quarter. Won the fourth quarter convincingly to win that game. You lost to Oklahoma, right? Then after that game, you know that you have no margin for error. You have to win seven straight games to still make the Big 12 championship game and to make the college football playoff. That's adversity they overcame and met head on and won seven straight games to get to the point that they are right now. The fourth and one against U of H where we got a bad spot. And if they convert that fourth and one score a touchdown, they're already in the red zone. Texas is now in a dogfight with Malik Murphy in at quarterback against a quarterback in Donovan Smith who beat you the year before. And on that day, you could not stop on the road at U of H Quinn's injury. Right. Having to win two must win games with Malik Murphy at quarterback who had never started a game in college football. Right. The overtime against Kansas State with Malik Murphy at quarterback withstanding a 20 to three run against TCU in Quinn Ewers first game back at quarterback after missing two games due to injury. And then Jonathan Brooks, who was our best player up until that point, tearing his ACL, right? Up until that point, he was 30% of our yardage, 30% of our touchdowns. He was our best offensive player. He was our offensive MVP, winning three games after that and winning a conference championship without Jonathan Brooks, who was our run game and who was literally carrying us to victories in the earlier part of the season. They overcame all of that adversity to prove to themselves and everybody else they were a championship-level team. And what I love the most about the 2023 version of the Texas Longhorns was they embraced the responsibility that was in front of them. 
you go to Bama right now, Georgia right now, Ohio State, Michigan, hell, even Florida State programs like that. All you have to do is show up, be a part of a winning culture and win football games. But the players, the coaching staff, everybody around this Texas football program for the last few years had to be a part of building this. Right. They had to build a winning program. They had to build a winning culture. They had to sustain and maintain this winning culture and then sustain and maintain it long enough for it to show up as a winning product, a championship product on the field. And they certainly did that. You can go to schools like Alabama, Michigan right now and be a part of a winning culture. These players built this winning culture at the University of Texas, and I'm glad they were able to seek those rewards from it in the the form of a championship at the conference level. And hopefully that leads to a national championship as well. They embraced the pressure, right? Before the season, we told this team, you have to win the big 12 championship or this season will be a failure. Right? <laughs> like if you win the big 12 championship, it's business as usual, but if you lose it, it's a failure. That's pressure. After they lost to Oklahoma, they knew that to achieve the goals that they set out in the off season, they had to win seven straight games with no margin for error. That's pressure. They met both of those challenges head on and overcame them. And they embraced the expectations, right? We didn't come into the season and saying, well, we hope we can get to a Big 12 championship. We hope we're a championship level team. We're just going to take it, you know, one week at a time, uh, play one opponent at a time and figure it out as we go. Right. We didn't approach the season with that mindset. Steve Sarkeesian told this team they were a championship level team in the offseason. He told this team that they had championship level expectations in the offseason. And they played this entire season knowing that their expectations were to win championships, not hope they can get there. Their goal was to get there and be champions because they knew they were capable of that in the offseason. And once again, they embraced those expectations and went out and fulfilled those expectations. So this is a very special Texas football team to me, one of the most special we've seen in a long time. And this team has left a legacy at the 40 acres, regardless of what happens over the next two games in the college football playoffs. One of the special, one of the most special groups of guys and just everybody, period, we've seen at the 40 acres in over a decade. A quick word from our sponsors. And then we're talking about the X's and O's from Saturday's game. What happened on the field that stood out to me against Oklahoma State for Texas to secure their first Big 12 championship in over a decade. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help the right professionals for your team faster and for free. They have the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. That's LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College to post your job for free. Remember, terms and conditions do apply. So the Big 12 championship uh, was on Saturday. I knew Texas would win. You know, I was very comfortable that Texas would win. I was very comfortable that Texas would cover. Um, and that was part of the reason why I wanted Oklahoma to be in the Big 12 championship game, because I was afraid that the committee might look at the Oklahoma State the way that I was looking at Oklahoma State and saying, it's just Oklahoma State, right? The team that lost to South Alabama and the team that lost to UCF. And I'm not sure, regardless of how bad we beat, Oklahoma State, if that would have moved the needle for the committee, obviously that conversation is null and void now. It did enough. Maybe the, the Texas Tech win had a you know big part to do with it. Maybe Georgia and Oregon losing were the reasons we got in. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe Jordan Travis getting hurt is the reason we got in. It doesn't matter. We're in. Um, but certainly they went out and took care of business on Saturday against an inferior opponent. And that's something that Texas did this year that we have not seen in years past, right? Yeah, these teams aren't as talented as Texas, but they went out and beat Texas, you know, for the last 14 years. So it didn't matter, right? The last 10 years plus 
This year, we were able to assert our dominance against teams that had no business being on the field against us. And Oklahoma State was just the latest example of that. They went out there and did what they should do to a team like Oklahoma State compared to what Texas has uh, on their side of the ball. And like Mike Gundy said in his post-game press conference, uh, they're a lot better than they look on tape. <laughs> we look pretty damn good on tape. The first thing that uh, stood out to me is I think the pairing of Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers gets better each week. We talk about, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's history of quarterbacks and his development and, um, you know, how quarterbacks have looked under him and have played uh, some of their best football under him. And now I think we are seeing what we thought we were going to see you know, some of us from the jump last year going into the 2022 season from Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers, right? We always said that Quinn Ewers was the perfect quarterback for Steve Sarkeesian. He can make all of the throws and he can execute Steve Sarkeesian's offense at the highest level. And on Saturday, we saw Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian in lockstep and we saw Quinn Ewers executing Steve Sarkeesian's offense at the highest level, whether it was the deep passes, whether it was the play action, whether it was the motion, whether it was the trickiness in the ball handling, right? All of that, all of those things that Steve Sarkeesian likes to do, or just being able to run the ball at a high level, right? And, you know, like I said, um, you know, Quinn Ewers executing that motion or executing those tricky handoffs or executing that misdirection, all of that. Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian are in lockstep. Quinn Ewers is the quarterback that Steve Sarkeesian recruited personally to execute his offense at the highest level and Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian have gotten better as a tandem each week and I think we saw the culmination of that on Saturday where Quinn Ewers played his best game 35 of 46 452 yards four touchdowns and one interception breaking the big 12 championship passing record tying the record for passing touchdowns Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian are in lockstep right now they are getting better each week and Quinn Ewers is executing Steve Sarkeesian's offense at the highest level, similar to what we saw Tua Tungabailoa and Mac Jones do at the University of Alabama. The team didn't run the ball efficiently. They didn't run the ball great. Uh, Keelan Robinson kind of skewed the rushing numbers because he had two carries for 75 yards, but Jaden Blue averaged less than four yards a carry on Saturday and Cedric Baxter averaged less than four yards a carry on Saturday. But what I loved and partially, you know, this happened because you were up 28 points. The team didn't run the ball efficiently, but they stayed committed to the run, right? And like I said, some of that was just because you were running out clock at the end. But this team threw the ball 46 times, and they ran the ball 40 times, right? So even in a game where you weren't efficient, right, running the ball, even in a game where Quinn Ewers was dicing them up, you know, like as bad as you can be diced up in a championship game, we still stay committed to the run and we still ran the ball 40 times. Like I said, there's some obvious context to it. But the fact that this team every week goes out and predicates themselves on running the ball and stopping the run, even given how explosive they are on the offensive side of the ball, even in a game <laughs> where the passing game is going crazy and the running game is kind of pedestrian, you are who you are. Right. And I love the fact that regardless of what is happening on the outside, regardless of how explosive we look, Steve Sarkeesian is going to lean on that bread and butter, running the football and stopping the run. And I love the fact that, like I said, even though we weren't as efficient as we normally are, we still went out there and, and ran the ball 40 times, still went out there and imposed our will against Oklahoma State in the trenches just by sheer volume, right? 40 rushing attempts. I don't care if we're getting three yards on them or four yards on them. We're going to run the ball down your throat, right? Because that's what we do as a football team. And that's what led us to being 12 and one, being big 12 champions and being in the college football playoff. I love the fact that Steve Sarkeesian has rewarded to Vondre Sweat and Byron Murphy this year on the offensive side of the ball. And you saw um, how the team just rallied around to Vondre Sweat 
uh, on Saturday when he caught that touchdown, how this team celebrated for Tavondre Sweat. And Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy are two of my favorite players because they were players from the Tom Herman era. And I talked about having to build a winning culture here, right? Having to develop into winning football players, being two of the best players in, you know, the country at your position, right? And then going out and building and sustaining a winning culture at the University of Texas. There are players in middle school right now that are going to benefit from what Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat did for the University of Texas. And I'm forever grateful for those two players. And they do so much in the trenches. They do so much of the dirty work on the defensive side of the ball. Even last year when Jalen Ford was getting all of the praise, I'm glad that Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat are getting some of that praise this year. Um, but they just do so much dirty work on the field and they've done so much behind the scenes work to help get this Texas football program to where we are currently, where we can say without a shadow of a doubt, we are one of the four best teams in college football when we haven't been able to say that for 10 years, right? So I just am forever grateful for the contributions that Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy have made to this program on and off the field. And I love because of the contributions they've made on the field, on the defensive side of the ball in the trenches, Steve Sarkeesian has rewarded them on the offensive side. They both have receiving touchdowns this year. They'll be able to say that for the remainder of their lives, right? Regardless of what happens in the NFL, um, regardless of what happens, period, right? Those are probably going to be two of their favorite moments from their football careers, catching touchdown passes at the University of Texas. So they've meant so much to this program. And I love the fact that Steve Sarkeesian rewards them on the offensive side of the ball as well, because that's every big guy's dream is to catch a touchdown pass in the end zone. And Byron Murphy and Tavondre Swick can both say they did that in the 2023 football season. Ollie Gordon. Um, is one of the better football players in the country. Um, he's the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, and that was well-deserved. Likely will win the Doak Walker Award, um, partially because Jonathan Brooks got hurt, but he had a very good season. But he came out into this game, and I talked about last week, having perspective is very important, right? Because obviously he came into this game feeling like Oklahoma State had a very good chance to win, and if he got the ball, <laughs> then Oklahoma State would come out of this game with a victory. Right. And I'm not sure why he had that perspective or where he lacked perspective that Texas was obviously the better team, because before the game, he was running around screaming F Texas. Right. Like like trying to go viral. Right. It was all it was forced. Like he's running around screaming F Texas trying to go viral. And then when they're giving him the ball and he's not going anywhere with it and they're down three, four touchdowns, he goes to the sideline and throws a temper tantrum. So now you're a meme. You already didn't have a good game, and now you're a meme for the rest of your life when you could have just had perspective, been grateful to be in the Big 12 championship game, be grateful to play against the flagship university in the state of Texas, the state you grew up in, and understand that you were just outmatched from the get-go. But like I said, he went into that game thinking they could win, thinking if they gave him the ball a bunch, then he could lead them to victory, and that clearly wasn't the case, and that's why he's a meme forever and had to throw a tantrum on the sideline after running around screaming F Texas for literally no reason. And after he screamed F Texas for literally no reason, he was held to 13 carries for 34 yards and 88 total scrimmage yards in the entire game. Right? So that's Ollie Gordon who was running around screaming F Texas before the game. Got to let your play on the field do the talking, brother. Seven straight games with the turnover force for the defense. For Texas, right after the Oklahoma game where they did not force a turnover, they forced a, game, a turnover in literally every game after that, a big reason why you went 7-0. and So hopefully in these playoff games against Washington and then, you know, possibly Michigan or Alabama, this defense can continue to force turnovers, get extra possessions for our offense, and that could be the difference in this team being a national championship team and a team that just made the college football playoff. And what I loved about Saturday 
as we knew all along that everybody could eat in the passing game. And Saturday might be the first time we saw it, maybe since Alabama or the first time in a long while. Adonai Mitchell, six for 109 yards and a touchdown. JT Sanders, eight for 105 yards and a touchdown. Xavier Worthy, six for 86 yards, and he left the game early. And then Jordan Whittington, four for 48 yards. That's damn near like Christmas for him compared to his production throughout the course of the season. So his average production, I should say. So um, we knew that we had one of the most talented group of pass catchers in the country, but it felt like each week one person had to eat while everybody else was on the back burner. Saturday showed, although, you know, Quinn Ewers won't be throwing for 450 yards too often. Saturday showed that they can all eat at the same time. And hopefully over the course of the next two games, Steve Sarkeesian can get in his bag and make that a reality. And then I want to just shout out the true freshmen that have been a huge part of the season thus far. Anthony Hill, Cedric Baxter, Jonte Cook, Derek Williams and Malik Muhammad all made crucial plays for the Texas football team this year in their true freshman season, which led Texas to be in 12 and one. So just a special season, special moment on Saturday. This team is champions. We can never take that away from them, regardless of what happens over the next two games. But obviously they got bigger goals in mind and they have every opportunity in the world to win two more games and win a national championship in their home state in Houston, Texas. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better team to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On and kick off the NFL season. All right, I got to go through this segment a little faster. I've been talking a lot rambling. We're already 25 minutes into the show. I'm just now starting the third segment. Uh, my favorite moments of the year, though. You know, I've talked about them all year, so I'm just going to recap them right now. The Texas Tech game, um, I was in person. Arch's debut, it was just electric. So much coming into that game um, with Brett Yormark's comments. Texas Tech beating us the year before. Joey McGuire's comments. Uh, it being senior night. It being the last Big 12 game ever in DKR. It being the last home game of the season. So our senior night, I may have already said that. It being a night game, so only the second time this year in DKR that we got to see the the light show and the new night game experience at DKR. Um, it was just such a crazy environment and in a perfect storm watching Texas beat Texas Tech by 50. And like I said, the only college football game I ever cried over was the Texas Tech-Texas Michael Crabtree game. So that game was kind of, you know, some, some form of vindication for me. So just a super special moment. I still think the Alabama game last year, even though we lost, was my favorite moment in DKR. But the Texas Tech game is certainly 1A. That was a special moment for sure. Um, 1B, I should say. The Alabama win. You know, obviously I picked, you know, Alabama to win. Um, the game. I just thought that Texas was not ready to go into that environment and win a game like that. And they proved me wrong. Right. And just watching um, Texas and Steve Sarkeesian beat Nick Saban and in the GOAT like that on the road and that environment to prove that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian was the right coach at the University of Texas to prove that this Texas football team was not the same as they had been in years past and really had a chance to do something special. And now, you know, 10 weeks later, we know for sure that this Texas football team is special um, and they over, you know, and they achieved everything that was capable of them after beating Alabama. Um, that was just a special moment, though, for sure. You know, especially after watching them lose to come back this year in a game that they could have won last year against Alabama to come back and get it done on the road was a special moment for sure. Watching John 
Jonathan Brooks from Wyoming to TCU. It was baffling to the majority of the fan base that he was not starting the first two games, but we had seen glimpses behind Bijan and Roshan, and we knew that when he got his opportunity, he could be special, and he's just such a fun player to watch in the passing game, in the running game, his patience, his running style, his physicality, his you know breakaway speed, all of that. He's just a complete back, and um, seeing him get his opportunity to be the starting running back and run with it, you know, and going so far as to be in, you know, a possible first or second round running back, being the number one running back on Mill Kuyper's draft board, being the leading Doak Walker candidate award, being the leading Big 12 offensive player of the year, uh, you know, candidate at the point of his injury uh, was just special. And it hurts so much to see him go down against TCU. But, you know, I know that he'll bounce back and be even better, whether that's at the University of Texas or at the NFL level, but certainly, you know, watching him for eight to nine games this year was a spiritual experience. And Jonathan Brooks was one of the best players in the country. The Big 12 championship game, obviously getting that elusive championship that you had not gotten for 14 years, just watching them come out and not play with their food. Right. There was not a scenario in which they had to break away in the second half or had to turn up in the fourth quarter or you know, there was a time where Oklahoma State ever felt like they could actually win the game. Right. They came out from the jump. Steve Sarkeesian came out from the jump. This team came out from the jump and did not play with their food and jumped on Oklahoma State. It was just a special moment to watch on Saturday. And my last favorite moment of the season, we've been waiting for three years to see Malik Murphy get his opportunity, and he got his opportunity. And he'll forever be able to say, regardless if he's at Texas or another school next year, that he led Texas to two crucial must-win victories in the course of a championship season in a college football playoff appearance season for the Texas Longhorns. So shout out to Malik Murphy. We are not in this position without him this year. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Texas Longhorns are a playoff team, and we have a month to talk about them playing in the playoffs for the first time ever. Hook them and peace.